Welcome to Clippings, the official podcast of the Council for Nail Disorders, where Drs. April Schachtel and Catherine Stiff take a closer look at articles and clippings published on all things nail disease. Listeners can suggest articles for this podcast or topics of discussion by sending an email to kristen.cnd at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to episode 33 of our Clippings podcast, where we review nail papers and share them with you. I'm April Schechtel, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Catherine Stiff. Hello, April. All right, Catherine. The article I reviewed today is called Nail Amyloidoma, Two Case Reports of a New Identity. The authors are Federico Bonito, Athanasios Colivras, Ursula Sass, and Bertrand Richer, and it was published in the journal Skin Appendage Disorders in June of 2023. These authors report two cases of amyloidoma, or nodular amyloidosis, of the nail unit. First case was a 52-year-old Hispanic man with a history of well-controlled HIV, hepatitis B, hepatitis C, and secondary syphilis who presented with a painless subungual nodule of the left big toe evolving over a year. On exam, it was a 8-millimeter yellowish hyperkeratotic firm nodule of the distal nail bed with associated onycholysis. An x-ray showed no bony involvement, so the nail plate was avulsed and the nodule fully excised, and that showed amyloid deposits in the dermis and subcutaneous tissue on histopathology. Immunohistochemistry showed lambda over kappa chains, and there was a plasma cell infiltrate. An extensive workup was performed and excluded systemic amyloidosis. The second case was a 67-year-old white woman who presented with, again, a painless subungual nodule on her left third toe, which had also lasted a year. She had a history of rheumatoid arthritis, not on any treatment, and on exam had a one centimeter pink smooth firm nodule of the distal nail bed with associated onycholysis. X-ray again excluded underlying bony changes and the lesion was excised showing amyloidosis in the dermis. She also did not have findings of systemic amyloidosis on workup. There was another similar case recently published by Chang et al. in the JAD International Case Reports Journal in 2022. And these three cases together are the first reports of the so-called amyloidoma of the nail unit. The commonalities between the patients were that the deposition of amyloid occurred in the distal nail bed, presented as a firm painless nodule growing under the nail plate, and there was associated onycholysis, and there was not systemic amyloidosis found. So to review, amyloidosis is like is a group of diseases which have extracellular deposits of amyloid, which is an abnormal, insoluble protein. Amyloidosis can be localized, like in these cases, or systemic. Uh, Systemic AL amyloidosis can be associated with nail changes like brittle nails, tracheonychia, longitudinal ridging, subungual splinter hemorrhages, and the main differential in those cases includes nail lichen planus, and it's overall rare. And there are several types of primary localized cutaneous amyloidosis in which there's deposition of amyloid in the skin, but not in the internal organs. The most common types are macular amyloidosis, lichen amyloidosis, and nodular amyloidosis, which seems to be used as an interchangeable term with amyloidoma in this paper. Specifically, the nodular amyloidosis or amyloidoma is rare 
and it will present as one or more nodules or plaques found on the trunk or extremities. There can be a plasma cell proliferation found with it, and that's thought to be causing the amyloidosis. There may be an association with Sjogren's syndrome in some cases, and there is also some risk of nodular amyloidosis being associated with systemic involvement of amyloidosis, but it seems to be in the less than 10% range. So to summarize, if you see a patient presenting with a slow-growing subungual nodule, particularly on a toe, keep amyloidosis in your differential, and if the pathology does confirm amyloidosis, you should perform a workup to exclude systemic amyloidosis and follow the patient to ensure that they don't develop systemic amyloidosis. Treatment options include surgical removal, as in these two cases, and there's also reports of debulking, dermabrasion, and ablative laser being successful. If there is only a partial excision performed, then recurrence is likely. Thanks to the authors for spreading awareness of this condition. All right. Yes, those were cool cases. Thanks. Uh, Catherine, tell us what you read about. I chose the article, Nail Disorders and Skin of Color, a Retrospective Chart Review Over a Five-Year Period, by Drs. Carolyn Schneider, Natalie Williams, Brian Morrison, and Antonella Tosti. You published as a research letter in the Journal of American Academy of Dermatology on August 31st, 2023. The authors performed a retrospective review of patients seen at the University of Miami Hospital Dermatology Clinics who identify as Black or African American, Hispanic or Latino, Asian, Native Hawaiian or other Pacific Islander, and American Indian or Alaska Native who had been diagnosed with a nail condition over this five-year period. 131 patients were identified, and the predominant clinical nail finding was nail discoloration, which was seen in 71% of patients followed by nail plate surface abnormality, which was seen in 40% of patients. The most common category of nail disorder was benign discoloration, with melanocyte activation being the most frequent etiology, either physiologic or traumatic. I find this to be the case in my practice as well, with the most common reason for presentation to our clinic in patients with skin of color seems to be melanocyte activation. The second most common category of nail disorder seen was infectious, with onychomycosis as the predominant diagnosis. Benign neoplasms were seen in 24 patients, including nevi, onychopapillomas, lentigos, onychomatricomas, and pyogenic granulomas. Biopsy-proven malignant nail lesions were seen in 4% of this population. Three patients had squamous cell carcinoma in situ, one had melanoma, and one had cutaneous T-cell lymphoma. All of these patients were black. The melanoma and all three squamous cell carcinomas presented with melanonychia, highlighting the need to keep SCC on the differential for longitudinal melanonychia in patients of color. This article was the first to characterize nail lesions in an adult skin of color population, and I hope to see more published in the future so that we can help identify and treat nail conditions earlier. In these patients. Yeah, thank you. This is, it was, it's really nice to have these numbers because I agree that fits with my findings as well that most often the diagnosis is melanocyte activation, but really interesting that there were more squamous cell carcinomas than melanomas in this group. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting that, yeah, of the patients with melanonychia, it was more likely to be due to squamous cell carcinoma than melanoma. 
Very good to know. All right, Catherine, thanks for joining me on this episode of Clippings. I want to thank our listeners for their attention. To all of our listeners, please share this podcast with your colleagues and trainees. Let us know how we're doing and which articles you'd like us to review on the show by contacting kristen.cnd at gmail.com or find us on Instagram and Twitter at Nail Disorders. 